In a lot of ways, I give so much grace to, you know, those that came before us because without their strength, I don't know that we'd have the space to be vulnerable. You could actually be the, the most conservative, like as a black man, you could be the most conservative, buttoned up, straight guy in America. And you could still end up being a, a name on a t-shirt because you got killed by the police. College campuses, they're actively encouraging people of all races, all creeds and colors to pursue counseling. You can't deny that there's more representation in the media um, of LGBTQ plus identities, of you know, interracial couples, um, uh, minorities in power positions. Like, it, you just can't deny that where we were 30 years ago is vastly different from where we are now. Welcome back to the DEI podcast. I'm Max Gaston. Today's episode is part two of our Black Men's Roundtable discussion on perspectives of Black men in law school. Jakeem Aaron is the former president of the Notre Dame Black Law Students Association, commonly known as BOLSA. Joshua Mannery is president of the Notre Dame Law School's Student Bar Association, or the SBA, and Jamal Wilson is vice president of the Notre Dame Sports and Entertainment Law Forum. In our part one discussion, Josh, Jakeem, and Jamal talked about the experience of being a black man in law school when you know you're in the minority and responding to the low expectations that some people in society have for black men. We talked about black male professionals often having to be the first of their kind to achieve certain measures of success and the different ways Josh, Jakeem, and Jamal cultivate their brand identity as young black men working in the law. In part two of our discussion, the four of us discuss the importance of mentorship, the fact that being a racial minority doesn't automatically qualify you to be a good mentor, and the distinction between mentorship and sponsorship. We also talk about whether black men in Gen Z are the most progressive generation of black men we've ever had in society, and if so, why that is. The conversation begins with a discussion on how black men succeed in professional settings and whether it's more important as a young black lawyer in a workplace setting to be yourself or to adapt to the culture and expectations of the people around you. Here is part two of our Black Men's Roundtable discussion. Coming back to it with uh, with you, Jamal, there are some associates who are black men who go to a firm and they feel the isolation of being the only one of them. And that has a negative impact on how they perform. And so sometimes they don't get the job because of it. There are people who, because they don't feel like they belong, just aren't able to assimilate as easily. And as a result, aren't able to, to do as well uh, as they otherwise could. Talk a little bit about how you're able to be yourself, even when you don't necessarily feel like everyone around you is making you feel completely comfortable. No, I, I, I see that as a, as a real challenge. And we were talking with some alums recently. And so I, again, I was, I was uh, at a law firm last summer and I had a great experience. I left, I went in, I went in feeling a lot of like very unsure about myself and, you know, whether I was capable of doing the work that was there. That went out the window. I think I performed really well in that regard. But I did leave. One of the things I noticed is like, it seems to be a place where there's a certain path that you have to take, right? Like there's certain people that you have to talk to and there's certain work that you have to, like, like not like um, assignment wise, but like 
like um, practice area wise that that's work that you have to perform, but don't do it too well because you might fall into that area, but you know, do it well enough so that you're recognized as a good worker. But if you actually want to go down this path, you need to go here. And um, if you want to become partner, then you got to do, you got to do it this way. You got to kind of fall in line with, with, um, what those people are doing. And, um, and, and not once yet have I've gotten the advice of like, just be yourself, just, just do what you've been doing. But like, like literally some of their advice has been, um, like do what they're doing, right? Do what your counterparts and your peers are doing. And, and, and in some ways, yes, that make, in some situations that makes sense, right? If they like a memo a certain way, if they like a brief a certain way, you probably want to be, you probably want to be on that, on that mode. Right. Um, but I always felt like, again, I bought into the idea that the fact that again, my background, my experiences, right. Are supposed to bring an add value that others, others wouldn't. Right. Um, and, and maybe that might not always be a case. You might be a black man and you might just fit right into the mold of, of the white, the white male attorney. And I, and that's fine. But in a, in a space and time where I, again, me personally, I feel like I don't know that it's, it makes sense for me to show up like everybody else. Right. Cause, cause why, then why have us there? Right. For again, just the number, just the face. And I think that's where your brand comes into place. And my brand specifically is because again, like you said, Max, I'm the every man, right? I'm the, I'm the guy you can have a beer with because, uh, and in reality, a lot of like a lot of people can do the work, right? A lot of people can can turn in this. A lot of people can write a memo. A lot of people can, um, you know, can submit a brief. But who can who can show up for their coworkers, right? Who can um un who can uh hold a conversation with you know with the with the neighbor next door, right? Who can interact and relate? You know, when you when you guys go out when you guys go out to lunch and hold a conversation that's not just about the last assignment you worked on, right? Or just about what's happening in the workplace, right? But that you can, you know, you can traverse these different, you know, topic areas and, and areas of interest, right? You can go, go on back and forth. And I think that's been the the key, the important mix is that like coming back this summer, I felt like I've been welcomed in and not like, they're like, like you do it, like we do the work, like we're not worried about, they actually like more so like, what can we do to make sure that this is a place that you want to come and work at because you're a really good person to be around. Like you're good, you're good energy um, and that sort of thing. And I felt like that's been a different again, showing up as yourself, showing up as that person um, that they want you to be, I think has been important. But I will say, I don't know that every place is gonna be like that. And I think that's where, again, law firm culture is, you know, is, you know, is, you know, very, is very, I guess, diverse in that sense, <laughs> it's just like, that they're not they're not the same in that way where like you probably I probably wouldn't be someone's cup of tea in a in a different law firm and I and I think that I just I maybe had just been lucky to wind up at a place where again I you know I showed up in my sneakers the other day right I, I could show up in my sneakers you know um and sit down and have a conversation with with a partner and even a client right and you know still be me because uh, again I can do the work just like a thousand other attorneys and law students can do the work but I can also show up and contribute in a way that maybe my peers can't because all they can talk about is the law and all they can talk about is this great brief that they wrote, but they can't talk about anything else. To that point, I think, I think that diversity of 
of these professional spaces is, is super important because I think one thing I've learned about myself over the last couple of years is I don't really want to be in spaces that will require me to conform, to com uh, conform and become somebody that I'm not to assimilate because, you know, we only have 24 hours a day and I don't want to dedicate eight hours of a pretty limited time frame to being somebody that I'm not. So to Jamal's point, I think it's great that he shows up in those spaces as he is, because I think that's what we should all strive to be. And if people are telling you advice that says counter to, to that, they might have some truth to it, but just question the extent of it. Because a black businessman told me before the summer that you have to go in and be who they want you to be. But then the first day of the, the job, the firm told me, you all pretty much all have the job offers, you know, just don't mess up for the summer. So he was going to have me here showing up in a suit four days out of the week and having eight meetings a day when that's not what they want me to be. Um, so I think part of it might be generational too. Though. Well, to that point, I think that there's a little bit of when people give you advice, they're speaking from their experience, the things that they that they've gone through that they believe would have been helpful for them when when they were back when where you are right now. And I think that what you're saying and what Jamal is saying, I think it's true. I think it's great that you want to show up and you want to be yourself. But I also think it's true that, and Jamal, you said this, maybe I got lucky with where I wound up. Not everyone is going to welcome who you are in a given space. You know, not every space is going to embrace you the way that you are. And sometimes they will want you to switch who you are. And so to the extent that you can discern, if you have the freedom to choose for yourself, where do I want to go? What law school do I want to be a, be a part of? What job do I want to, uh, to work in? Really trying to be intentional about finding places that will embrace you for who you are, that's important. But realizing too that there are other situations afoot where you don't have as much choice and you're just going to wind up somewhere sometimes that they don't want you to be who you are, okay? They're not looking for a culture ad, they're looking for a culture fit. And so understanding how to survive, how to make it through those experiences is, is really important as well. Because that black man that was advising you, here's how you need to conform in order to succeed when you're in that space, I can tell you that that was my experience as a former summer associate. And they said the exact same thing to me that they said to you. Basically, yeah, you have the job, just don't mess up. But the trick is, they don't tell you what it means to, quote, mess up. And sometimes messing up, you know, isn't fitting in with them. It's, you know, you being yourself and not how they want you to be. And so I don't doubt that that's changing in many different workplaces, but... Uh, I also don't doubt that there are still plenty of employers who are like that today. I think part of it really is you do the best that you can to figure out, is this going to be a place that embraces me for me or is it not? And wherever you wind up, just really being able to make an assessment for yourself when you get there, what is it going to take for me to thrive in this situation? Because eventually you do want to be in a place where you feel like you can be yourself. But as you're starting your career... Um, if that's not where you are, and if they're not going to embrace you, then you need to ask yourself, what is it going to take for me to make it through this situation so I can get to the next place where people will embrace me for who I am and see me as a value add, not just a culture fit? 
Jakeem, I'm interested to get your perspective on this, but if you could also maybe fold in mentorship, which you mentioned before. First of all, mentorship has been critical um, in a lot of ways, specifically since I've been in law school. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had a variety of mentors, some I, who I've maintained a close relationship with, others who, you know, it may have not necessarily been a formal mentor-mentee relationship, but they've taken time to really pour into me. Um, but I'll say, for me, the key to mentorship has just been having mentors that have done a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Having diversity in my village and in my community, because that kind of reaffirms for me that I can have a non-traditional career, right? Um, Max, I count you as a mentor and I really look at your trajectory and I'm like, oh, wow, Max has been able to kind of do a little bit of everything and really develop um, a career that appropriately reflects what his actual values are. And I think um, because I try to, I, I do try to lead with authenticity um, in every aspect. I feel like even the people who I attract as mentors, you know, they kind of know that about me. So I think that that being said, I have not gotten a lot of advice to sort of be like, oh, you should assimilate or you need to do this or you need to do that. Um, but I think to kind of, I guess, sort of bring these two, these two questions together, I just think it's very important to know what it is that you care about. <laughs> you know what I mean? And to know like what happiness looks like for you. Um, and I think that that's something that I'm very, very sensitive to. I'm very, very sensitive to when I am unhappy with what it is that I'm doing on a day to day. Um, and I think that, you know, especially being in such a high, you know, pressured, you know, uh, industry, no one else is going to do that self-regulation for you. So that's why I think it's super important to like have some sort of meditation practice, have some sort of, you know, make sure that you're like spiritually and mentally aligned, take that time for your mental health to really reflect on if you like what it is that you're doing, if you like the road that you're going down. And if you don't, we're like really making plans to pivot. And that's been, um, I've had mentors who have advised me on that, who have encouraged me to really, really make sure that I'm staying present in my day to day. Um, and that advice has really helped me just make good decisions, you know, all the way around. Mm. Jamal, talk to me a little bit about the significance of mentorship in your life. Um, so I take mentorship uh, extremely serious, not just from like a consumption perspective, but like also being a mentor is very like, it's probably like number one or two things that I uh, I care about, right? It's not just what others can do for me, but how, again, my presence, how my uh, my experiences, my advice could help somebody out, whether they want to go into law or not. Um, you know, I I think it's important for me to be a soundboard because I know from, again, the, the both the formal and informal mentorship that I have received growing up. And like, again, I got a little bit of unfair advantage because I've had I don't know, a few dozen coaches over the years who have all been mentors um, in some way, right? I have coaches who mentored me about being a good partner um, and husband um, and mentors who, you know, talk, talk to me just about having good character, being honest, um, you know, and, you know, just, you know, being a good football player, being, you know, you know focused on the career, that sort of things. But when I look at mentorship, especially coming up, um, you know, and, and pursuing law, it's 
it's been it's been interesting, right? Um, especially at Notre Dame, where we have a, a really good alumni, um, you know, connection. So like that, like the the there's been no shortage of people to talk to, and I think. Um, so it's important to have mentorship in general. And then having black mentors is is a whole other thing because of, again, we've all we we talked, you know, at length already about our different experiences, um, you know, and and perspectives. And it's always important to have somebody who looks like you who's been through that to be able to um to be able to share that, share that with you. Um, and, and, it, and it's been, it's been important. Like we already know, like there's not that many of us in this space as a whole. So even just finding somebody is hard, but when you find somebody, um, it, like you, you just don't know what, I guess you don't know what you, you know, what to expect when, when like you find somebody who's, who you, I think you think is going to be a mentor. And I think this is, this is important for this conversation because like, I don't know that every black person who's in the in law right or who who has practiced in law is going to be a mentor right and so i think that's important right to realize that again somebody can be in that space they can be helpful but not everybody can also be a mentor i think a mentor is a very active role um there's and there's different kinds and i'll, I'll be I'll, I'll wrap this up but like there i went to this event in atlanta um a few weeks ago and there was a there was a guy there and he 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 made it very clear and distinguished between mentorship and sponsorship, right? Where like, there's some, there are a lot of people who do need mentors, right? Who kind of, who aren't, who are kind of rough around the edges and like they need somebody who's there actively with them, like take, you know, taking them through each and every step that they need to do and cover letters, resumes, suit and tie. This is how you wear your suit and all that sort of thing. This is how you, you know, cut a steak, like very, very simple thing. And there's people that probably need sponsorship, right? Who kind of already, are curated who got their thing together and like you need people talking about you when they enter a room right like people when you aren't there you need people saying like hey i know this really good person right i think that you should you know i think that you should meet them like they're you know they're very cool this is what they're interested in i think you guys would be great or i think they'd be great for the position that you have open right i think they'd be great for whatever it is that you're that you're looking for especially in a legal field especially in law firms where it's again very client money centered money centered where it's like if there's clients and there's money and business moving around, right? It's important that somebody says like, "Hey, you know, Jamal or Josh is a really great person for this, for this, um, you know, for whatever this is." So sponsorship and mentorship is important, and whether whether we need to be whether those people need to be black or not is probably up for debate. But I think we could talk about that. I was having a conversation with someone once where they were describing the difference between sponsorship and mentorship and they said something to the effect of mentorship a mentor is someone who shapes you who helps to form who you are who helps to polish you a sponsor is someone who helps to push the door open for you you know maybe they didn't have a role in your formation but they have a role in getting you to that next place that you want to go to because because they're an advocate for you so your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be someone who is, you know, themselves in the place that you want to be. They just need to be someone who can help to make you into more of a complete version of yourself and the person that you're trying to become. What I think is really, really interesting about what you're describing when you when you were talking about, you know, black mentors in particular, is this idea that 
not every black person is going to be a good mentor for you. And the fact that the bar for what it is to be a good mentor isn't the color of your skin. The other thing you said that I think is really interesting is the idea of some black people feeling like there's only so much space at the top for us and how some of us who have gotten to places of success despite the odds may feel like you know, our positions might be threatened by other black people entering that space and so may want to gatekeep and block other people who, um, who look like us from having success. That's an idea I think more people are starting to let go of, but I do think that um, it's something that's still worth talking about. And it's this idea that some black people some black men do gatekeep when they get to certain positions because they view you maybe as a threat to their own success. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that, and that's why I didn't want to confuse like that, the difference between that mentorship and sponsorship, right? Because I think like it's important to, to realize that, Leah, not every black man in that at those high positions can act, can even act as a sponsor for you, right? They can't say, oh, I'm going to bring you up into this this next goal right there. And, and, and there's different ways of, of doing that. Right. But that, but as a mentor, that doesn't mean that you can't say, Oh, here's a really good book that I, that I read, or here's a really good podcast, or here's a really good conference that I used to go to when I was, when I was younger and up and coming. Right. And I think just having that little bit of time, that little bit of insight is just as important. Right. As just like, like you, I hope, yeah, you don't need to bring me under your wing right in the in the firm that we're working at or bring me into your firm or um uh uh recommend me for the next the next job posting right i can find a sponsor to do that right and i think that's why it's important to to delineate those two but like when we're talking mentorship again we're talking about again forming somebody getting somebody getting somebody ready for the opportunity when it does present itself um that they that they are ready and um and I, that's why i think black mentors can be important right because they can they can share those very specific targeted tools that you can that you can add to your you know you know add to your persona add to your professional i don't know tool belt um to to succeed in in the future and being at a place like notre dame which is great you can find a lot of sponsors who can make sure that again when the opportunity is is there that that you're ready to do that so like when when um i don't know so-and-so from, you know, this, you know, Fortune 100 company, um, you've met with them. Um, they, <clears throat> they say, Hey, I should, I think you should meet my partner over here that like, when you meet that person, you already polished to a point where it's like, Oh yeah. Like this cat's ready. I actually know of this opportunity over here <clears throat> and that sort of thing. So like, it's this very longish game of playing. And I think black mentors, and kind of black people in those spaces from my experience what i've seen so far is like they always see is like when you're approaching them that you're approaching because you want something right and you're approaching because you want because you want them to be to lift you into the to the next next space but like a lot of time all we could use is advice right every now and then hey can i call you up and and get in and pick your brain about something a little bit can i get five or ten minutes of your time right and i add a little bit of nuance too um i think that it's also important to know that it's okay to look up to somebody and them not be your mentor. You know what I mean? And I think that like the 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 piece that when we talk about the delineation between 
sponsorship and really advocacy and mentorship is um, I feel like the 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 mentor mentee relationship is an actual relationship. You know what I mean? So I think that what you all are getting at is, you know, your mentor really puts in that time to develop you. And I think that like, I know for me over the past like year or so, like I've had a mentor that I've worked with that I've sat on the phone for two hours. Like, okay, we need to go over my resume. This is how I'm navigating interviews, da, 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 da. And it wasn't necessarily, oh, here's a job for you. You know what I mean? At the end of those conversations, but it was someone who I could call up when I didn't really know what was going on, you know, with my profile, who could kind of help me streamline certain things. You know what I mean? Which is different than some people who I've connected with who've been like, oh, okay, great. You know, you're looking for this type of work. Let me connect you with this person or let me do this or let me do that. So I think that like all of that is a part of your network and you need all of these different pieces. But I think that one of the things that we don't really talk enough about in our community is that it really is okay to admire someone, to admire their career trajectory and, you know what I mean, to just keep them as a contact, you know what I mean? And it not necessarily be a mentor type of dynamic. And I think that we make a mistake of trying to make everyone into a mentor. And honestly, you know, we're, we're trying to make people mentors who like don't understand you, who don't understand your values, who may not necessarily understand where you're trying to go. And it's like, if your mentor doesn't really know you, it then is difficult for them to steer you into the right direction, which goes back to kind of getting certain advice, um, you know, that's like assimilate or whatever that may not be applicable to A, who you are or B, where you're trying to go. This has been really enlightening for me. I had never heard of that distinction between sponsorship and, and mentorship. Uh, to me, I've always valued mentorship, but I think I have been, I guess, based on Jakeem and Jamal's standards, I've had a, a looser form of mentorship that I guess kind of broke, broke in sponsorship and maybe even some ambiguity between the two. Um, you know, for example, in undergrad, I, I forced a connection with a, a black male who was the associate dean of engineering. He heard me speak at a, at a black male conference and he invited me. I think I said I wanted to be president and he, of the United States. And he invited me to a one-on-one -on -one meeting just to kind of dive into that and just get to know each other a little bit better. And I disclosed to him that I wanted to be undergrad student body president. And this was freshman fall semester. And, you know, he, he had went to Ole Miss. He had done Asia. He was a president, but he, he was a big Ole Miss guy. And so from that conversation, I would meet with him twice a semester up until senior year. And so I credit that relationship, that mentorship um, for getting and obtaining that position. So I, I definitely recognize that that's a mentor, but you know, for me, I've been more than happy to appreciate kind of like passive mentorship, um, in the sense where that person isn't intentionally pouring into me specifically, but I'm taking a lot from them. You know, um, I, I, I was in a, in a high school black male organization that was designed to you know, nurture and invest in a bunch of black men at a time. So I wasn't receiving one-on-one -on -one mentorship um, that was too dissimilar from what anybody else was getting. But I was still learning a lot from these black male advisors who were doing a bunch of different things. And even now in the legal profession, I don't, again, based on the standards that other people have shared, I do think that, you know, black mentors who can invest one-on-one -on -one are super important. Uh, but to Jakeem's point, as long as somebody is willing to be there for you in whatever way is 
is comfortable for you and available for the two of you, um, I think that can also be just beneficial. Mm. Something that we talked about before was generational change with within the community of black men. And a reference point for this is the show Blackish, you know, where you've got the three generations of black men there. You've got Pops, you've got Dre, and then you've got Junior. And I think that there's an argument to be had over whether as a society we're just becoming more progressive and then black men are keeping up with that progress or or is there a notable change in how black men are progressing in our open-mindedness? You know, so ideas that used to be held sort of with a more narrow-mindedness for a lot of black men, for instance, being comfortable with black men who are in the LGBTQ community, uh, being comfortable with men and women both having masculine and feminine energy and, you know, breaking gender stereotypes, uh, going to therapy, you know, and whether that's something that we can normalize because we as black men care about our mental health. These are ideas that in your generation, and I consider everybody here on this podcast, except for myself to be Gen Z, even though we're not going to have that debate again, it seems like your generation is a lot more open-minded about these things. And I don't know if the generations before yours have been so open-minded. And so the question is, and Josh, you can start us off, is your generation of black men the most culturally open-minded generation of black men that we've had? And if it is, then why is that? Well, I mean, I'm definitely going to say yes. Um, you know, why is, is the more interesting question? I think if you poll, you know, if you polled by generation about, you know, different, uh, different uh, issues, uh, political, social, somewhere in between, I think my generation would have the more progressive of the answers. I, I, I mean, I can't prove that off the top of my head. I just feel like that is true. But the second question again is why? And I think part of that is not to say that the majority of society is more open-minded, but I think the conversations and a, a trend of more people becoming open to therapy and, you know, differences in gender expression and identity and, you know, uh, sexual identity, sexuality, X, Y, Z. I just think it's becoming more of a, a, a talking point. It's becoming more accepted. And we can debate about the thresholds of that acceptance and efforts to fight and resist against those, uh, against that open mind. But you can't argue, can't deny that it's there, that on college campuses, they're actively encouraging people of all races, all creeds and colors to pursue counseling. You can't deny that there's more representation in the media um, of LGBTQ plus identities, of you know, interracial couples, um, uh, minorities in power positions. Like, it, you just can't deny that where we were 30 years ago is vastly different from where we are now in media, on college campuses and things like that. But in the face of all this progressiveness that you're talking about, there's also a conservative answer to that, right? You know, in the world, in the United States, there are a lot of people who are coming out very strongly in favor of more traditional perspectives on the social issues that we're talking about. And an acceptance of different ways of life is not something that everyone is embracing nowadays. So, so if we're not looking at society as a whole, but we're looking specifically at black men, do you think that black men have progressed because you think society's progressed and we're just 
keeping up with that? Or do you think that there's something distinguishable about the way that black men have moved forward in our thinking um, and how open-minded uh, we've become to different things? Honestly, I, I'm trending towards, I think the societal influence is pretty large. I'd be curious to hear what Jamal and Jakeem think. And they might be able to identify different factors. Um, so just from my experience, you know, um, I have been informed by how progressive of a, at least of a campus Ole Miss was, you know, within the larger conservative state of Mississippi, the amount of progress Ole Miss's campus in particular, because of its involvement in like the civil rights movement and everything, seeing how far it's come relative to the larger state, that's where I'm gathering my information from. But again, there might be another, another trend that Jamal or Jakeem can identify. Uh, I definitely think this generation skews more progressive. Why is the more interesting question? Um, but like I, I, um, I love looking at, love looking at this stuff. I love talking to my dad um, about this. I love talking to even like some of my some of my cousins who are just slightly older than me. They're probably in, in your range, Max. Um, who are who are actually more uh, more conservative when it comes to a lot of these social issues um, in particular. Um, and I, I, I can't really put my finger on the why. I think the, the only thing I can really point to is again, how I think how forward my education has been, right? Um, and you know, the fact that I've, you know, I've gone like where the majority of them have lived here um, in, in, in Southern Cal, you know, in, in majority black and, you know, Hispanic communities for the, the most of their, most of their lives, you know, and I've spent time interacting with lots of different, um, you know, so, you know, uh, race, races, socioeconomic, right. And, and that sort of thing. And I think I've just in general have been able to come open my, I went to, I'm at my second PWI, um, you know, right now, um, you know, I've worked in, you know, uh, politics with, with, with white men white women and, you know, all kinds of different folks. And, um, and I, I guess I've just been able, I've had to be a little bit open, my open-minded, right. Or less, I just have to wake up and be angry at the people I have to interact with, um, on, on a daily basis. And so it, that's one thing that I've always, um, I've always looked at. I talk about it with my wife all the time too, is, you know, you know, why our, why our families, um, are the, are the way that they are. And so that, that's been important, but I also look at this transition too, of like, when you think about um like how our families and communities have have like have transitioned over generations where like a lot of times like yeah you did like one we couldn't go to college um you know we weren't accepted into like a lot of the the, the major colleges um you know women were subordinated to a, a very specific role um and black black women you know in general were subjected to a a, a very specific role um you know, black men couldn't even educated black men couldn't show up in in very uh, in these spaces in that way. You you didn't want your child to be um to be gay, right? Because of what society felt about that. You know, they, you didn't want your child to be openly gay. So black communities have had a very um a very aggressive you know approach to that. Um, so I, I think all those, when you think about all those things and I think about how, again, my, probably my grandparents and, you know, how my, how my father might, might feel about that is kind of influence, 
a lot by that, but not realizing that, hey, you can, you know, you can be a lot more open minded and still be um, subject to opportunities. You can, you can actually be the, the most conservative, like as a black man, you could be the most conservative, buttoned up, straight guy in America. And you could still end up being a, a name on a T-shirt because you got killed by the police. Right. So like it, you know, at, at this day and age, you can still, you know, have an open mind and be and have opportunities be available to you. But you can also still be, you know, subject to the same things that we were subject to in Jim Crow South. So like it. Um, I think our generation has definitely realized that um, and have sought to change a lot of those things for that very reason. But I don't know. I really don't have a clear answer to it, but those are kind of things I think about. I think the points that you're raising are really spot on. You know, there's some pretty good evidence that going to college leads people to have more liberal attitudes on social issues in the first place. And so, you know, kind of what Josh was saying, generally speaking, maybe people are becoming more progressive. But if we think about that specifically with black men, you know, more black people are getting college degrees. And so I think that if you have a college education or above that, and that makes you in some ways more progressive in your perspective on social issues, you know, a higher degree of black men getting college educated that way, it's probably going to advance us further along in the path. And not even just, you know, getting a formalized education, but the exposure of, you know, you know, the exposure to different forms of media and traveling more and being able to see other parts of the world and more varying examples of what we are and what we can be. You know, all of those things, I think, can have a contributing role in advancing the progressive perspective that black men have nowadays. Jakeem, what do you think about all of this? Um, As a fellow millennial, again, we don't have to debate that. Um. I agree with everything that has been said, um, but I do think a lot of things come back to just, you know, what is meant to be black in this country, you know what I mean? And how that's progressed um, throughout the centuries, because I mean, you know, black people aren't really given anything, you know what I mean here, right? So I think that like any sign of weakness or any absence of strength was vulnerability right and not just like vulnerability in the you know general sense but like you were actually vulnerable to harm you know what i mean so i think that that being said um i honestly when we think about you know just the trajectory of black men and just everything that we have had to navigate now through the years i think that we're finally getting to a place where we have space to be vulnerable you know what i mean so i think that it's of course the exposure piece but it's also the um just the climate of society is the fact that we're making more money than we ever have we're getting more opportunities than we've ever gotten access to so i think that with that we're able to kind of loosen up a little bit you know what i mean to sort of say okay let's have the mental health conversations let's have the sexuality conversations we're allowed to have diversity in thought and i think that that's a luxury that our white counterparts have always experienced that we just have not had access to. So I think that, you know, in a lot of ways, I give so much grace to, you know, those that came before us because without their strength, I don't know that we'd have the space to be vulnerable. You know what I mean? Especially, you know, considering, um, even though of course we're severely underrepresented in the legal space, we're not the first black male attorneys. You know what I mean? So I'm like, if we think it was hard for us, how much harder was it for them? You know what I mean? 40, 50, 60 years ago. So when you kind of think about it from that vantage point and from that lens, 
no, it definitely makes sense to me just them not having the same amount of space that we have now um, to explore certain things. So it's almost, for me, I'm grateful. I'm extremely grateful um, for their strength. And I'm, I have so much grace and empathy for maybe what had came off as like a lack of understanding then. You know what I mean? Because I definitely feel like those are the shoulders that we stand on to be able to be whole now um, versus just, you know, honestly, versus just being looked at as a commodity. Like now we're allowed to be whole people. And even if we're not fully there, we're building towards that. I also feel like to some extent, it's just not cool to be toxic anymore, right? Like it's not okay to be misogynistic. It's not cool to let yourself break down emotionally and not seek help. And maybe we just reach a certain threshold of how much we can hold before we start to crumble underneath the weight of all of that and say, we do need to find healthier ways of dealing with things. And when you open that door to exploring creative ways to manage, for instance, your generational trauma or deal with the fact that maybe your parents didn't go to school and you're the first generation to go to school and you see that the solutions of our parents won't help us because they weren't dealing with the same problems that we're dealing with at this age, you think, yeah, maybe we do need to take a different approach and that can open your perspective. And so I think that access to education and resources and alternative solutions, in addition to being able to have the modern social context that also creates the space to do those things, I think all of that taken together is what makes the difference. These types of conversations and the work that you're doing, it's just, they're just so, it's so critical and it's so important um, because representation matters. And I think that we are entering a field where we're not having the representation conversation enough outside of numbers, right? Like, of course, I think a lot of law firms are becoming a little bit more um, sensitive to having representation in terms of just like having people who you know are from different communities in the space and i think that we've seen a lot of that of course since 2020 and um since you know the murder of george floyd but we're not having actual conversations about the distinctions between our different experiences and how that informs what can make us stronger and better advocates so i think it's just super important that we keep these conversations going um not just amongst black men but amongst black women Asian communities, Hispanic communities, like we just have to become serious about diversity, about inclusion and about representation, because I think that we just are always running against the danger of it being performative. Right. And we don't want to see, you know, um, these spaces continue to recruit minorities and then not have the infrastructure to keep them there and to keep them there as full people, to keep them there and support them in being whole and being present. And of course, because we're trusted with so much responsibility, it's super important that we are good. So we're able to bring our best selves to the work. So yes, again, I just appreciate you for um, all the work that you do and specifically for making space for this particular conversation. One very brief non sequitur. So last Sunday was the series finale of Succession. Great show, but that's for another podcast. There's a scene in Succession in the penultimate episode where one of the characters is talking about her father. She's talking to a group of people about him, and she says, 
My dad is someone who was just never able to fit the idea of an entire woman in his mind. And I think that that is such a true sentiment when it comes to society as a whole for how we view people of color. Specifically for black men, it is so hard for people to hold an entire black man in their minds, you know, what a black man is and how he can be different things. You know, so many people look at black men and just see the common tropes, basketball player, drug dealer, rapper, absentee father, when those are just stereotypes and there's so much depth, complexity and range to what a black man is, as there is with, with every individual. But instead of looking at those things and holding space for all of that, we just run into these stereotypes and shortcuts that limit who black men are and who they're able to be in the world. Because in some instances, I can only be what you will allow me to be. If you're in a professional setting, for instance, and you hold a position of power over me, I can only be what you can see inside of me. And, you know, that can be a real challenge. So the ability to have perspective to give people the freedom to, to be their complete selves, it's something that we work on. And it's great to see that there is generational change that's happening and that we're moving further along and, you know, that there are more opportunities. But obviously, it sounds like there are also some barriers that we still have to overcome. And so, you know, we keep doing the work uh, because our goal is to get people to a place where they can hold a complete black man inside of their minds and know that that can be a Jamal, it can be a Josh, it can be a Jakeem, it can be a Max. It can be all of us, it can be none of us. And, and that is the work of it. Jakeem Aaron is the former president of the Notre Dame Black Law Students Association. Joshua Mannery is the Notre Dame Law School Student Bar Association president. And Jamal Wilson is the vice president of the Notre Dame Sports and Entertainment Law Forum. Gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you again for leading the way and for having this conversation with me. The DEI podcast at Notre Dame Law School is produced by Notre Dame Studios. Every episode, we sit down with important voices in law, culture, society, and business to talk about issues that touch all of us. If you liked what you heard today, become a subscriber and get notified every time we upload an episode. And tune in next time for another great conversation on issues that touch us all. Until then, take care.